Well, Chris, it looks like Sports Illustrated has chosen their cover model or uh, models, Christy Brinkley. She is 63, but with the body of a, I'll tell you, a 36-year-old, if that one that is in great shape, she is going to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated with her daughters. Her oldest daughter is 31. That's the daughter she had with Billy Joel, and her other daughter is 18. And I'm telling you, they're all gorgeous women. And, uh, you know, it really goes to show, I mean, if you've got supermodel-like genetics, you can be gorgeous at any age. So, hey, reach for the stars. I'm always, <laughs> ima- I, I'm always amazed at supermodels because when you, you know, their kids look gorgeous. Like, uh, who's the one that's uh, now, um, she's not selling Lazy Boys. That's, uh, help that's me out with that. Cindy. Uh, yeah, Cindy Crawford. Crawford. She is not selling Lazy Boys. Who's that? That's the... Uh, Brooke Shields. Thank you very much. <laughs> Mind fart live on the air. Anyhow, uh, Cindy Crawford's daughter is stunning. But when you look at their parents, I think you have to have a certain kind of not good looking in order to create a supermodel. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. You like ta- whenever they have the parents, it's like, wow. You take a little bit of sweet and a little bit of sour and it all works oh out real nice. Oh my God. And boom, there you go. You're on a magazine cover. This is going to be her fourth time or fifth time on the magazine cover. Well, I, I think she was on uh, four times in the 70s, Brinkley. I always say about uh, these... People who are professionally good looking, yeah. it is their job. So they're yes. probably eating a, a diet that you would never expect, and they're probably working out to a level that you would never, ever work out just to maintain that body because well, it's their, their job, livelihood. Right? Yeah, that's what they do. You know, we go to work and we sit and we talk. And I know for you're hours. probably with your voice gargling with some sort <laughs> of magic potion every night. Yes, I call it cognac. But, uh, hey, hey, by the way, I'm going to blow this to this apart. <laughs> Uh, we should have a Costanza. I, isn't there isn't there a Sein, Seinfeld reference uh, to the breaking of the seal when you're out drinking? No, I don't believe so. Okay. They, uh, don't, do, they don't do a lot of drinking on the Seinfeld show. Really? Well, I'm going to blow up one of the most uh, commonly believed uh, misconceptions about social drinking right now. It's of the breaking of the seal, which uh, is uh, basically if you uh, you have to wait as long as you can to urinate because once you do, you're going to pee more. Well, science has proven that is actually not true. So they say that uh, anything in excessive amounts will cause a person to pee more, but adding booze to the equation tends to exacerbate that urge tenfold. This happens because when you start drinking, the brain temporarily stops producing vasopressin, which is an antidiuretic hormone. It keeps your kidneys managing the amount of water in your body, right? So it's basically twofold, according to urologists. They say one, uh, which is obvious, is that you're consuming liquids. So what goes in must come out. But with the alcohol, you're going to produce more urine uh, than the liquid that you've consumed. That's why it doesn't matter when you break the seal. It's Did that blow up the misconception? I don't think so, because I still feel like, That's what you know. It was titled. I, I'm 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 still believing in the in the seal breaking process because mm-hmm. whatever al- whatever l- liquid I drank all day is is technically the seal. In the seal? No, you might have you might have actually been you might have uh, urinated before you started drinking. That's potentially that's uh, at some point in the day. That's I'm pre-seal. sure I did. <laughs> Unless I start off the day with a this good, is the most a rid- shot. ridiculous discussion we've ever had on the show. No, we probably had worse. We probably had worse. Uh, and Chris, you live in one of those condos. You live in a high rise. A lot of people buy in condos mm-hmm. in the city of Toronto, and the city is definitely growing vertically. This is going to blow your mind. According to the Toronto Fire Services Public Education Division, with regards to uh, your condo, you should have a flashlight in your condo for emergencies, right? an old-fashioned, I have a flashlight on my cell phone, I have an old-fashioned flashlight as well. 
like with batteries and everything. Yeah, well, you should have that because, you know, those cell phones can lose Mm -hmm. their charge. But you should also stock rolls of duct tape. You know why? I don't have any. They say, yeah, get some duct tape. If the the fire is uh, elsewhere in the building and you can't get away right away, so if it's in the stairwell or somewhere Mm -hmm. you cannot get away, your unit is the safest place to be. You're supposed to go in there, close your door to keep the smoke out. Now, I remember this from, you know, being a kid. They'd say, wet a towel, roll it up, put it at the bottom of the door. That's so no smoke gets in. Right. And then, this is crazy. It seems like counterintuitive. You want to block the air circulation because that's where the smoke's going to come in. You have to take the duct tape and you start duct taping around your door frame and seal yourself into your unit. I get it. No, that makes a lot of sense. Because but it's I'm, scary. You're, you're surrounded by firewalls. Anyone who knows if they've ever tried to drill into one of the exterior walls in their condo unit, you know that's a firewall. That's a big, tough concrete wall there. So if you can, that will withstand that uh, that smoke and that fire, and it's not going to cross into your unit. So block that entrance. Block that. But I want to know about the vents. There's nothing about the vents, but it says the next step. This is very important. You've duct taped your door. Yeah. The you next step trapped. is you need to call 911 and okay. let them know where you are and that you can't leave your suite. What I find amazing is in 2016, the response time to those emergencies in the high rise, five minutes, uh, between five minutes and one second to five minutes and 19 seconds. Wow. They're doing their job well. Hey, my building has a lot of false alarms and they get there really, really fast. That's impressive. We're, it's that like is we're impressive. testing their timing every single day. You know what else was impressive? Saturday Night Live uh, was impressive. We're going to get to uh, something with regards to uh, Melissa McCarthy in a sec and her impression. But first, I want to get to her impression was the subject of her impression was Sean Spicer, right? The uh, press secretary for Donald Trump. Uh, here's what he's... This is so bizarre. Bizarre. He was talking to reporters, people in the media, about how he had a beef with the New York Times for an article that they wrote he said was full of falsehoods. Uh, here is something that he brought up, which is kind of awkward. Uh, see if you can spot it. Look, uh, I, I would just say that, that that story was so riddled with inaccuracies and lies uh, that it, they, owe, they owe the president an apology uh, for the way that that thing was. There, there were just literally blatant factual errors. Uh, and it's unacceptable to see that kind of reporting or so-called reporting. Uh, that that is literally the epitome of fake news. What was Part of that story was the detail. Just you t- I mean, there there were, you start at the top. I don't think the president owns a bathrobe. Definitely doesn't wear one. I don't think the president owns a bathrobe, definitely doesn't wear one. Well, How work, does he know? You work around the White House. That's you know too where familiar. He's, he's coming in and out of. Too familiar. That is just bizarre. I want to. Speaking of bizarre, I hear that uh, Melissa McCarthy's impression of him. If you'd like to hear it, here it is. As you know, President Trump announced his Supreme Court pick on the national TV today. When he entered the room, the crowd greeted him with a standing ovation, <laughs> which lasted a full fifteen minutes. And you can check the tape on that. Everyone was smiling. Everyone was happy. The men all had erections. And every single one of the women was ovulating left and right. And no one, no one was sad. Okay, those are the facts forever, and there's something else. We got something X, three, four, (laughs) capital T, capital P, eight, four. Hang on, wait a minute. That's my email password. Forget that one. Okay, with you know, uh, yeah, that's humiliating if you're Sean Spicer, but it gets worse. Apparently, 
Uh, the fact that he was parodied on Saturday Night Live by a woman does not sit well with Trump. And, uh, you know, it's 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 questionable as to if he's going to stay the, the remain the press secretary uh, as far as Trump's. Uh, he can't blame Melissa McCarthy for that. He's been a bad press secretary since day one. Well, Trump already said, what's with the big suits? Didn't like that. Yeah. Didn't like the way he dressed. And later on in the show, we're going to get to a hashtag that's trending because uh, Trump has a very specific way that he wants his staff to dress.